here is where soccer is popular in the country. Northeast, mm-hmm. West Coast, that's it. Like yes. mid- Midwest, no. Southeast, absolutely no. not. Texas is yes, actually, but that's it. That whole like four hour circle that you draw from like lower Jersey to like through Connecticut, that's mm-hmm. that's the hub of soccer in the country. There are no soccer players in Alabama. They're not allowed. You have to play football only. Like there it's just declined. Florida, same thing. Nope, not allowed. Now, here's a fun little trivia for you guys. The state of Arizona, on the border with Mexico, on the border with California, a lot of soccer fans. Arizona State, no men's soccer team. Arizona University of Arizona, no men's soccer team. Grand Canyon, when they started their soccer team like five years ago, became the first ever Division I men's soccer program in the state. How is that like... ASU has oh. men's ice hockey, men's ice hockey, <laughs> but, but not, not men's soccer. Soccer makes no sense. Not smart. Useless. Well, they hired Herm, so their athletic department not great. And Todd Graham, never forget. Well, you got a new coach down there now, but we'll get Very to exciting. that. We'll get to that. Yep. You guys ready to start? Yep. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. There's so much going on and with, you know, we're recording on a Tuesday night and the the new rankings just came out, the playoff pictures clearing up. So much is going on. I completely forgot about Willie Taggart, but uh, the Tarmac Report never forgets. And because this, this really is our bread and butter, any normal show, again, people who knew how to run a podcast would start by saying like, oh, the playoff rankings are out and, you know, can Ohio State sneak back in? Not us. I will throw to my co-host Ryan Spillett in Phoenix, Arizona, right next to the Arizona State men's ice hockey team to talk about Willie Taggart. Ryan, it's been a banner year for the Tarmac Report and the, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but one of the all-time greats has just reappeared and re-disappeared from the Tarmac. Please give your eulogy for Mr. Willie Taggart. Willie, 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 we got you for a third time. Three different teams, you've been on the tarmac. Three times, we have been correct. Not only that, we have been correct within under three full seasons. Technically, he left on his own from Oregon. He was getting fired anyhow. He would have if he stuck around. (laughs) It counts, but I just want to make sure we know technically he left on his own accord. He left before he just resigned before he got fired. He so did the ahead, uh, you yeah you can't fire me because I quit. Yeah, basically. So yes, either way, Willie didn't even last three seasons. You were a blessing. You started off strong, a couple years in a row. You got everyone excited, and then over the last two years in November, the only team you've beaten is Florida international once that's it (laughs) one in 10. So starts off strong ends pretty poorly. 
exactly like his coaching at every team. He starts off strong with the other coaches recruits and then fizzles out within three years. Don't worry, Willie, you'll have another chance. You're going to be a coordinator somewhere and then you're going to get, you're going to get in the, the AAC or the fun belt. We love you. We're going to miss you. We don't know what's going to happen to Willie Taggart Jr. This has put him in the portal now. He still have a scholarship at FAU. I look out for the little Willie. I'm concerned. But big Willie, nice to know you. I think, I think it's pretty simple. He's got a legacy of taking over, you know, programs that have come off their high point or, you know, recent to their high point and uh, bringing them down. So the obvious spot, we've got a coach, you know, he's got to go lower. You know, he's not going back up to a bigger program. So what is a school that's at a lower level than FAU where he can take over where perhaps they're coming off one of their best or their best coach ever who's going to move on to a better job. Deion Sanders, oh. when you move on, <laughs> yep, accurate. bring in Willie. Actually, that's the answer I was going to give, but not the answer you think. Dion's going to hire him to be the defensive coordinator at South Florida when he takes that job. That's Deion, the answer. Dion's going to take South Florida he turned down Colorado. So South Smart. Florida, South Florida, better than Colorado. Less pressure, easier. Also has like, what, three times the students. Like it's so much bigger. Like Boulder is gorgeous, but mm-hmm. it's small. It's like coaching at Ithaca college. It's like, it's small dude. So it's not that obviously not that small, but like, South Florida, huge enroll, like 40,000 students. It is actually a bigger school. Do you think the ceiling with all those recruits, even getting second tier recruits in the state of Florida, the ceiling is higher than Colorado? Yes, definitely. We saw it with Central Florida, right? They were right on the cusp mm-hmm. of, a, of, a, of a New Year's, you know, they made a New Year's Six game and all that. So like- yeah. If you can do it at Central Florida, you can do it at South Florida. And in all that time, Colorado has been a total joke. Not even close to competitive. Colorado was the best team in the country, though, in our youth. For a few weeks. Cordell. Rashawn, Cordell, Rashawn Salam, Westbrook. They were great. The- they were unstoppable on NCAA college football in 1995. Also, by the way, because you could run the triple option with Cordell and uh, was the running back again? Rashad oh, Salam. Salam. Or you could just take uh, Michael Westbrook and just run him as a go route. And he was like a 94 receiver. Just unbelievably unfair. Speaking of uh, washed up programs, any thoughts on the Matt Rule hiring at Nebraska? It's a really good hire for Nebraska. I mean, uh, I think that's as good as you can do. He's turned around two college programs. Um, you know, I mean, but again, you're paying a guy $9 million a year with crazy expectations. If he doesn't win nine games a year, he's going to be on the hot seat. Nebraska still thinks it's 1995 and they're supposed to be a top three team in the country. Like 
they, they're like uh, the key in life, let alone college football, is to manage your expectations. And <laughs> they're out of their minds. Like Way they're like, well, you know, it should be like Alabama, Georgia, and like us. You know, top three every year. You're like, no, 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 no. If 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 everything goes right in Nebraska in 2023, in how like recruiting and NIL works, and everything like they could be like at best like a 15th to 20th ranked team. I think that's a good. You're you're a Midwest team that's not named Oklahoma. No one wants to go to college there. What? No um, one's leaving Miami yeah. to go to college in fucking Nebraska. Like times have changed. And their, and their that's ceiling why, for next year, sorry, is what Illinois did this year. Ceiling, yes. For next year, and they can what, get better. Sorry, go and ahead. That's Ryan. why the the most important part of this hire is actually going to be his staff because as we're hearing, especially now that Frost is long gone, the you know more stories are le- are coming out like you know crazy that he hired terrible people, which we talked about. I mean, he got hired. He's like, we're going to do offensive innovation. And then he's like, and I'm going to hire a 72 year old offensive coordinator. We're like that. And, and people just said he was, you know, he was difficult to work with and, and it was staff issues like crazy. So rule, that's the most important thing for him. Like you said, recruiting and getting a staff rule needs to go out there and get coach O on the phone and bring coach O the number one recruiter in the last 25 years of college football, not head coach, not any other thing, but number one recruiter. It's indisputable. That's the guy he needs to bring in. You bring in Coach O to the Midwest, you can get some talent. Go Huskers. Go Huskers and Tigers, always. Uh, one more, <laughs> one more. Of, oh, yeah, he's got to say go Tigers still. Uh, one more yeah. coaching major thing that just happened in the last couple of days. Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. I, I like this one. Again, Wisconsin's expectations have to be a little lower than they would have been 10 years ago. There's not going to be a second coming of Barry Alvarez, but you've got a guy who's proven, who's proven in the Midwest who, you know, uh, coached, you know, coordinator and then briefly interim head coach at Ohio state. So no stage is going to be too big for him. He made a playoff with Cincy. So, you know, again, about the best you're going to do in my opinion. Screw them. Hire Jim Leonard. The more important thing is farewell to David Shaw. I had too much respect to ever put you on the tarmac. That's the more important coaching news. Enjoy retirement. Play some golf with your twin Tiger Woods. And then, uh, you know, be the one of the best analysts in the game. He's going to be so, so, so good on TV. I hope that that's what he does. And uh, he's going to be a star. So too much respect to ever put you on the tarmac and good luck in retirement. It's selfish of me, but I, knowing that, you know, Manny Diaz will have one more good year at Penn state and then move on to be the head coach at temple or someplace like that. Again, if there's a way to get Jim Leonard in there as like a co defensive coordinator so that he can take over the head coaching or the, you know, assistant coaching job next year or a year from now, I know it's uh, logistically challenging, but like, you know, get him in there. One of the big schools, you know, somebody make room for him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll have any trouble finding a job as a coordinator or Mac 2023 if he'd like to. 
Um, all right, right. Let's move on to uh, important news. It's Tuesday, November 29th, as we record this. The uh, rankings, the not final, but, you know, a penultimate college football rankings just came out. So as expected, Georgia won, Michigan two. I think we can safely say no matter what happens this weekend, both of those teams will get in to the college football playoff. Um, even if Michigan loses like, you know, 50 to 20 to Purdue, I still don't see how you really drop them. You would have to bring in Ohio State over them, which doesn't make sense. So they're both in. USC at number four seems pretty simple to me. Win and you are in. Um, they have the potential to move up as high as, uh, I guess, number one, even, you know, if Georgia and Michigan somehow lose in some weird scenario. So USC, if they win, could be in at any one of the positions. If they yeah. lose, pr- probably they're out and will get jumped by Ohio State. Um, I would say almost definitely they're out. And then the one weird one is TCU. So undefeated, ranked third currently. If they win, they're obviously in. Again, with losses, they can move up higher in the rankings. Um, Two and three doesn't really matter, Um, and it's unlikely they'd move to one. So a win puts them probably in that uh, two, three. I believe that's the Fiesta Bowl out by you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, If they lose, this is where it gets interesting to me. Assuming USC wins, they move up to three. TCU loses. Then you've got a TCU with one loss who made a conference championship game and went one and one against the team they're going to play, Kansas State, versus number five, Ohio State, who got crushed just last week by Michigan, did not win their division, let alone their conference. And on paper, it seems like TCU should get the edge there. But of course, we all know what's going to happen, correct? 100%. 100%. There's a 0% chance if USC or TCU lose that they're staying in the top four. Ohio State will a billion percent. TCU can lose in 12 overtimes to Kansas State with a two-point conversion, like a miracle play of all time. Ball flies up there, hits it off at Lyman's dick, and they get the two-point conversion, and they'll still move Ohio State into the number four slot over TCU. So if you hate Ohio State, like all of us, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, root heavily for USC and TCU to win this weekend. So that segues nicely into the question I want to ask you guys before we get into the games and break down what we think is going to happen. What do you want to happen? I want USC to win so that they make the playoff and Washington goes to the Rose Bowl against Ohio State, and I bet all my money on Washington. And then I want TCU to win again, so Ohio State goes to the Rose Bowl, and I bet all my money on Washington. It's really that simple. I have a theory that C.J. Stroud will opt out of the Rose Bowl this year, along with his entire team, and Washington's the most underrated team in the country, and they're going to score 60 on those pussies a.k.a. Oklahoma, as I call them these days. Um, yeah, so this is just selfish rooting interest. I, I, uh, there, there's a look-ahead line. It would be Ohio State minus 13 and a half, and it's like that's my favorite bet in five years if that happens. The look-ahead lines are crazy. Ryan, what do you want to happen? Yeah. What's your ideal scenario? I cannot add anything better than what Dan said. 
I agree wholeheartedly and I will not try to elaborate. Yeah, I'm with you at this point, given the options, I think keeping it exactly how it is right now would be the best. Although I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's not really possible for USC and TCU Perfect. to flip, but uh, Michigan USC would be even better. I think Ryan. Actually the, the better scenario for me would be Michigan losing to Purdue and dropping to the four. So we get mm-hmm. USC TCU in the Fiesta bowl, all yeah. the, po- all the points. And then we get to see Georgia wax Michigan again. Yes. And wait. all is right in the world. Yep. All right. Well, with that, you know, let's talk about the lines, Dan, and what we actually think is going to happen in these games. I, I think it's championship weekend. Let's get into the game. Absolutely. It's a weak championship weekend, but uh, it's still championship weekend. So we got some games to get to. Friday night. Conference USA Championship, North Texas UTSA. That's right. You didn't think we we're going to talk about this. We have to. No, no, I can't. No, I want to talk about all of them. I'm, I'm disappointed Great. you skipped Akron versus Buffalo. The makeup that game. is that is getting skipped. Unless you want to talk about that later. Uh, does Ryan want to talk about that? It involves some potential coaching interest. I do not, Tom. That okay. game is a disaster. They'll give Joe. Right. They're going to give Joe one more year. Uh, lay it with Buffalo moving on. Fair enough. All right. North Texas UTSA. Uh, this is the Alamo dome in San Antonio, which makes it a home game for UTSA. Uh, UTSA minus eight and a half over under 68 and a half. Quick story. Um, post podcast. Uh, I, I read an interesting thing. So last year, same scenario, right? UTSA played the conference championship game at home. They had it locked up with one week to go, and they played North Texas in the last week of the of, of the regular season last year. They decided to only play their starters the first half, and then they rested their starters in the second half. North Texas won as a 21-point underdog. So this year, same scenario. They already had the conference title position locked up, and they played uh, UTEP on Saturday. It was UTEP plus 17. I took UTEP plus 17, which is – you know, whatever. 24 nothing UTEP early, by the way, because a 17-point dog. Uh, but UTSA decided to keep their starters in, came all the way back, and won the game. So uh, they were just trying to just go through the motions and not show anything in the first half. And then they're like, all right, you ready to turn it on and come back? And they did and scored like 34 unanswered. Um, anyway, long story short, UTSA can score points. They got a good quarterback that like Frank Harris or whatever. He was there last year. Uh, they're at home on turf. North Texas is only seven and five. Um, lay it and the over. Uh, take your pick or both. I think it's pretty straightforward. Uh, Tom, you got any, anything on this one? No, that's your territory. I would uh, be a fool to go against you. All right, Ryan. Totally agree. It's UT- UTSA with easy, easy, easy life. Actually, I would even alter. I would alt line this all the way up to like thirteen and a half. And I, I like would that too. Yeah, this is a very good game to put a UTSA money line in there and parlay it with the Pac-12 title game on at the same time for better odds. So let's go to the Pac-12 title game. Uh, Utah USC Vegas. 
USC minus three, total 67. Super interesting game. These two teams met earlier this year on a Friday night in Utah. USC had an early lead. Some weird sequences happened that got Utah back in the game. Utah scored a touchdown with like 30 seconds left. They decided to go for two points and the win, and they got it, 143-42. Um, Travis Dye had a great game uh, against Utah. He's out. Also, Tavion Thomas was out for Utah earlier. He's playing in this game, so quite the difference there. Um, Ryan, you start this one. Oh, this is this is so hard. This is this is one of the hardest games of the year to pick for me. I really want USC, obviously, because of the scenario we talked about before with the playoff. I cannot root against Utah in this spot. I can't bet against Utah in this spot. I can't bet on Cam Rising in this spot. This is a your this is a your opinion is wrong. To you know, potential here. I know it's not Dan, but correct. That's coming it, later. I think Cam Rising is the your opinion is wrong quarterback because mm-hmm. he is like series to series, no idea what's going to happen with that guy. He's the ultimate X factor in this game. Caleb Williams, if he's looking to absolutely lock down a Heisman, this is the spot to do it on a Friday night. He did the pose last week. Don't know how people took that, but he's going to do it again this week on a big stage. So three points, I'd probably just, I'd probably take the USC money line. I wouldn't lay any points in this game at all. Uh, if I had to take points, I'd take Utah plus the three, but I, USC money line, that's it. Um, Z. So I'm in agreement with the USC money line. Um, Utah is not going to make it easy for them. But I think a few things put them over the top. The most important is the win and you're in, as we talked about, lose and Ohio State's going to jump them. I mean, the the drive and the meaning for USC is so much greater than Utah just trying to win the conference. So um, when you have a guy like Caleb Williams, who's just so you know driven to be a champion and all he's been through, I just it's hard to picture him letting this slip away. And then you've got the Heisman Trophy which he more or less locked up um, last week on primetime against Notre Dame. We know what Bino Cook says about the Heisman. You know, you got to play for Notre Dame or you got to play against Notre Dame to win it. Uh, And I think he might've won it against Notre Dame, assuming he can win this game. I don't even think he has to have a great game. If they win, I think he's got the Heisman locked up. So you've got a Heisman trophy on the line. You've got a playoff spot on the line. Their backup running back, Look pretty good. I mean, it's USC. I know Travis. Super good. Yeah, I know Travis died. So fast. Missing. You know, you never want to lose a guy like that. But, you know, as uh, what did Dabo say? Like, this isn't, they're not bringing in some guy from East Bumfuck Community College. Like, Mm -hmm. this guy looks really good. Addison has been limited. And, you know, I think he's back full strength. Oh, yeah. He was great last week. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I know he's been limiting his plays. But, like, he's looking great. you know, the whole team looks great and they are playing at a higher level than they were when they first faced Utah, which I thought they were a little shaky earlier in the season. Um, Utah has been up and down, so you never know what you're going to get, but their number one advantage, which we talk about all the time is the home field 
having to go to Utah to desolate Utah to play. And so I think with all of those factors, um, but just most importantly, just how much this means for the Trojans, I think they are going to win this game by three points and make their way into the playoff. And then in Lincoln Riley tradition, get smoked first round. True. All right. Um, Super interesting game. Ryan, great point on Cam Rising. Wildly inconsistent. Utah lost 20-17 to to Oregon with Bo Nix being hobbled and couldn't move. If Cam Rising plays even slightly below average, they win that game, but he played awful. Three interceptions, missed an open guy on fourth and two, just chucked it into the ground. Um, They gave the game away. And I think Utah is ranked 11th at nine and three. I think partially because of last year and people kind of give them a lot of respect. They're ahead in the rankings ahead of Washington. Um, I mean, they, they played Florida and lost to Anthony Richardson. They played against UCLA and DTR and lost to them. They played against the bang up Bo Nix and lost to them. And they got really lucky in the USC game. They caught a couple breaks. USC should have won that game. So that's the argument for USC. But the thing that scares me is this feels a lot like Oregon, Utah last year, where if you bet against Utah and they win again, you're like, didn't this happen last year? They beat the best team in the Pac-12 twice. That being said, I don't think it's going to happen. I like USC. Um, Moneyline UTSA plus Moneyline USC is plus 114. Or you do a six and a half point teaser and get UTSA minus two and a half and USC plus three and a half at minus 120 to get USC plus three and a half is very, very, very nice. Um, so yeah, either one of those. Dan, what, what does it pay if you do the UTSA the other way, tease them up and still bet them? UTSA minus 13 and a half. Got it. And we want USC, what plus how many points you want? Plus a yeah, three and a half. That would be plus 277. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. There's your bet. So I think I think Friday night's a little tease parlay involving both those teams. And I'd like to uh, warn Utah and USC that after years of being a bunch of trash, Arizona State's coming for you because our boy Ketting Dillingham is on route. Did you guys see his press conference by chance? No, I didn't. Okay. Fantastic. He was crying. He's like, there's people who are in my wedding in this room right now. And he's like, all we need is the support of the Valley. He's like, I will bring it every day. And like, I am not sure about a lot of things in life, but I am sure that he will give more effort and time in his office than Herm Edwards did. Uh, Oh gee. What what, makes you think that? What, (laughs) however many hours Herm was involved with Arizona state football a year, a week, which is probably under 40. Uh, Dillingham will definitely triple that. And, you know, he, who knows if he's a good in-game coach and recruiter, I have no idea, but he will try so hard. Like the guy is all passion and he's so excited to be there. And he was just, uh, so thrilled. Like he's from here. He, he, he's alumni at ASU. His wife went to ASU. His wife was crying on the flight flying back here to take the job. She was so excited to get the hell out of Oregon. Like, this is just like a perfect hire for Arizona State. And I'm really glad that they chose the right guy. Um, 
excited to see what happens for ASU for sure going forward. And I, and like, honestly, like since I've lived here 10 years, I've never rooted for them because it was Todd Graham and Herm Edwards back to back. And it was unrootable, just <laughs> fucking terrible. Un-rootable. So, uh, terrible. So yeah, I'm excited to root for Arizona state for the first time. And I'm definitely going to go to a game next year and, uh, go Arizona state football, which is fucking great. Why not? Ryan, what do you have any thoughts on this? One of my favorite parts of the press conference was when they're asking him questions and he stops and he's like, he, he asks the question to the reporter. He goes, Hey, do me a favor. Ask me if I'm going to keep Sean Aguanu on the staff. And he's like, are you going to keep him? Yes, I am. He's like, so cool. He told the reporter to ask him just so he could cut him off and go, yes, I'm keeping him. So the <laughs> yeah. legendary Chan local Chandler high school coach is staying with the local 32 year old Scottsdale Kai. So, you know, the last few years to take the points, guys, you know, we've really talked a lot about Arizona high school football and the recruiting, how much better it's gotten. Way better. Maybe they still aren't going to get the Bijans, but pretty much anyone else that's any good out of here, they're getting all of them. And they are. And I think they're going to probably take over Las Vegas, too. I think they're going to take over that that area pretty heavily too. So I'm excited about this. Uh, I'm excited for for recruiting, especially, and uh, I'm excited to go to some games. Yeah, I know this is great. Like it's it, it. First of all, it's like three minutes from my house, like literally. And like, there's always tickets available. It's not that expensive. Um, yeah, this is just uh, a whole. I'm so excited. This is the, this is the opposite of 2022 Arizona state football, which is just great. Um, I'm happy for you guys. You've, you've earned it with your blood, sweat and tears oh through the God. Herm era, the Todd great. Graham era. You've really, you've suffered enough. I know I'm super excited. Um, all right. So, um, by the way, we're going to, we're going to do our long anticipated, um, full episode on the rise of Phoenix area football. Good. It's coming bonus episode. Maybe if Arizona State, you know, improves, they'll be able to keep a uh, an unbelievable local quarterback like Spencer Rattler sometime down the line. <laughs> Beating Clemson and Tennessee back to back. Oh, my God. We could talk an hour about that, but unfortunately, we will not. Um, all right. Let's go to Saturday. 10 a.m. Toledo versus Ohio. MAC championship game. Toledo minus two and a half. Total 55. This is the your opinion is wrong game of the week. It is the MAC championship. For those of you who are listening for the first time, this is the segment where I ask both Tom and Ryan their selection for the game and the total, and I tell them why they're wrong. And uh, usually the game that we mentioned turns out to be a clusterfuck, and this being the MAC championship, I'm sure it will be. The line is two and a half. And the total is 55 in this game. Oh, I'm excited. This is great. I get to actually win a your opinion is wrong game. And I get to do it very easily. Here's how you do it. You take Ohio. And the reason is very simple. Mm -hmm. They had the tweet of the weekend last weekend when they started trolling Ohio State saying, that the real Ohio team is playing in their conference championship game. And for that reason, and that reason alone, I'm taking Ohio. 
Go ahead, Dan. I'm also going to total selection, sir. It's 55. Oh, it's a to- oh, it's a terrible Mac year. Under. <laughs> Under. Ohio, huh? Well, Ohio has the 115th ranked defense in the country. Um, they're playing without their starting quarterback. And this is the MAC championship. How can you honestly have a strong opinion? No chance either of those picks are right. Tom? Yeah, Ryan, I can't believe that ridiculous pick. This one's really easy. Toledo, you know, it's been a down year, but they've been the best team. And so you got to go with the best team. And so you got to lay it with Toledo. And I know that it's been, things have been off, but every time two MAC teams get together in the championship, it's a shootout. So you have to go Toledo and the over. Easy pick. Toledo and the over. Well, Toledo has the 27th ranked defense in the country, so that doesn't bode well playing against a team without their starting quarterback. And you're going to bet on Toledo, 7-5 and five in the MAC with coming off of two straight losses, including getting worked and giving up 42 to Bowling Green. And this is the MAC championship. How do you really have a strong opinion on betting this game? <laughs> Impossible. Well done. Our favorite new segment, Your Opinion is Wrong. All right. Thank you. Moving on. SEC title game. LSU, Georgia. Georgia minus 17 and a half. Total 51. LSU got blown out by Texas A&M last week, as expected. We all should have bet the A&M money line. It was, I did. <laughs> you're so <laughs> smart. I stayed away and was like, I fucking knew this was going to happen. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Here's what I did. Tom, you guys, we joked about um, LSU, A&M, and then we joked about Tennessee, Vandy, and we're like, one of these teams is going to outright upset them. And so I bet yes. on both. And the A&M one it's was a matters. real winner. The Vandy did not work out so well. Right. Um, well, Tom, since you chose correctly last week, and you already said LSU is going to beat Georgia, <laughs> Are you staying by your word? And what do you like in this game? Yes. Total 51. I am on record last week. This is my classic two week ahead predictions, which are always correct. I said, LSU is going to do the most Brian Kelly thing possible, which is to lose straight up to Texas A&M when they still have a chance to get in the playoff. And then once they're completely eliminated from the playoff, they will go in and they will upset Georgia. And I'm going to stand by my word. Brian Kelly in almost every game this season has been competitive. LSU's got uh, great players who we thought were going to quit on the team, but who have uh, actually played pretty well. You know, Butte and neighbors make a pretty good combination. Uh, the defense has some players. I think Jaden Daniels is the second best LSU quarterback of our lifetime. I know that's a very low bar but he's got the escapability not seen by many of these stiff white guys who have played for LSU in past years. And uh, Georgia, you know, they are pretty good. This this doesn't make sense on paper, but they have dicked around a lot this season. They almost lost to Missouri. They, you know, messed around against Kent State and won that game by like 20 when they should have won by 50. They... um, Oh, what's the other game? Oh, Kentucky. They beat Kentucky by 10, that hobbled Kentucky team. So yes, I'm going to say LSU goes to Atlanta and shocks the world and beats Georgia on a last second field goal by one point, 20 
seven to twenty-six. Go Tigers! Georgia obviously okay. still gets in to the playoff. Hopefully, as the number two seed, we'll be able to see them here in Phoenix. Yeah, Ryan, yeah, go right you might get to see them. Yeah, to me, this comes down to really one stat. LSU's leading rusher is Jaden Daniels. He's 185 pounds. It's just, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, Georgia's defense is still Georgia's defense, guys. Like, when they need to turn it on, when they need to F somebody up, guess what? They know how to flip that switch. And I just don't see any way LSU can consistently move the ball if your leading rusher is a 185-pound quarterback against this, this physical team in the Georgia Dome, a home game for Georgia. So I'm going to go 38-17 Georgia. Very good. Uh, I like the under 51. Um, I think uh, this is low scoring, but Georgia grinds it out 26, 13, something like that. And Georgia's basically mailed in the entire year and has only tried like once and it was against Tennessee and they thrashed them with ease. I mean, I, I don't think you can fade Georgia anymore. Um, but Tom, LSU Moneyline plus 650. So Good luck. Let me allow me I to respond. Jaden Daniels, we've been saying the same thing about him every game that he's going to get killed and he keeps on surviving. So, and we all know yes. Brian Kelly likes to fuck around and there's another incentive, which is to, um, uh, save me personally, because if LSU loses, then most likely Penn state gets into the cotton bowl into the new year's six games. And they're going to be the team that gets matched up against Tulane and then I'm going to be in the unenviable position that I was in in 2019 where Penn state plays the uh, group of five team that everybody wants to win. And then they either lose and look like fools or they beat a team that everyone's like, Oh, they're not good anyway. So to save me from that scenario, an LSU win would probably put them out. True. Um, okay. Sounds good. Moving on. Big 12 title game. Kansas State at TCU. TCU minus two and a half. Total 62. Um, these two teams met earlier in the year. Kansas State had a 28 to 10 or so lead until their whole team got hurt, including two quarterbacks, Deuce Vaughn, etc. TCU destroyed Iowa State and Matt Campbell last week. That was not close. Nice job by them just dropping the fucking hammer and blowing them out. Um, misconception, I think, about this Kansas State team, that they're actually really good. What's their best win this year? Anyone have a guess? Oklahoma State? Texas? Lost to Texas. Did they, they lose beat to Oklahoma State? They beat Oklahoma State and Texas Tech were both seven and five teams. They did not beat any teams better with better records than seven and five this year. Uh, for that reason, I'm taking TCU minus two and a half. Hypnotoad, my fault for fading them recently. They got one more to get it done. Go Horn Frogs. I mean, Kansas State looked great. They played Kansas last week. Kansas defense is so bad. Everyone looks good against them. I mean, Syracuse would probably score 35 against them. 
UConn would score 42, but that's not here nor there. Um, but anyway, TCU, uh, probably the over, but just TCU. TCU. Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. It's been the Tinder team all year. We've been we've been all over this. Take the points. Uh, you know, has been riding the the uh, the hypnotoad, and will continue to ride the hypnotoad. Uh, I'm all over this one, and I uh, love TCU. Z, I'm very torn on this because much like with USC, the you know it just means so much. The playoff spot on the line. I feel like TCU is going to give their best game. Heisman potential finalist and Max Duggan. Um, you know, he's going to be amped up to play, but it's hard to overlook that first game when Kansas state really should have won. And, um, I don't know what's going on with the quarterback. I think we all agree that will Howard actually is better, right? Like Kansas state's better when Howard plays as opposed to Martinez. They're both yes. I mean, Martinez has been pretty good. I don't want to knock him, but like will Howard puts them at another level. And so do we know who's playing? Are they going to split time or what are they doing this week? I assume it's Martinez. Yeah. So if it's Martinez, which I think it was the it backup is, last week, it was Howard last week. Yeah. Was so, it? So yeah, it's it hard. To, it's hard kids. to bet this when you don't know what's going he on. Fine. I, I think Howard's, Howard's good. I think he's good. I think he gives them the better shot to win. Um, I think they're the same. Yeah. I'm going to go. TCU begrudgingly. Um, I'm going to bet the over. I feel like this will just be a fun game. Both teams in the thirties. I really don't like a side in this game. All right. ACC title game, Clemson, North Carolina, both teams coming off of losses, North Carolina off of two losses in a weird last month. Something's going on with them. Uh, played a close game against Virginia, only scored 38 on Wake Forest, lost to Georgia Tech, lost to NC State, who's no good. Then you got Clemson. Um, Spencer Rattler came into Death Valley and won for the first time. An opponent won in Death Valley for the the first time since Pitt won in 2015. Um, Clemson minus 7.5, total 63.5. Z, start this one off. This is one of those games we talk about all the time where if you were picking a week ago or two weeks ago, it'd just be a totally different scenario. But UNC is just on a horrible downslide. They played awful last week against State. And um, I mean, that last kick that lost the game was one of the worst looking kicks I've ever seen in my life. So they can't be trusted on special teams. But uh, Gene Chiggins has finally reared his ugly head and... Um, like there's no way they should have lost that. They obviously should never have lost to Georgia tech, a team that even Willie Fritz will turn down. Um, but they shouldn't have lost to NC state either. So like they should have won both of those in which case I would pick them plus 7.5, but the way they've been playing lately, Clemson say what you will, but like they lost to a surging Notre Dame team and, uh, they lost to a Spencer Rattler, who is apparently just playing out of his mind for two straight weeks. So I got to assume that Clemson, I mean, I'm not assuming Clemson is the more talented and better team. I've got to assume that if both teams play it, you know, around their capability, Clemson should be able to win this game by 10 points or so. So I'd like it better if it was six and a half or seven, as opposed to that seven and a half number that we always hate. But I will take 
Clemson, and I guess I'll lean under too. I think Clemson's got the D to slow down Drake May and that uh, surging offense. Right. This is uh, an interesting one. Um, I think the big issue with North Carolina is they locked up their their division and they locked up that spot in the conference championship game, regardless of their outcome in the last two games. And they just, they just mailed it in completely. Dan, like you were saying earlier in the show about UTSA, you know, just kind of mailing it in knowing they were locked in. So I think they've had this circled for two weeks. This is their Super Bowl at this point. Um, They knew with their, with their one loss early in the year, they probably weren't going to get in anyways. So this is 100% their Super Bowl. I'm going to take the points with North Carolina. I still don't trust Clemson. I don't trust DJ in a big primetime spot. Um, I think May kind of blew his opportunity in the Georgia Tech game to get to the Heisman ceremony. A 16 of 30 is just not going to get – this is not good enough. Um, but I, I like him in this spot. I like him putting on his – uh I'm the front runner next year. Teams are going to start tanking next season for me. I'll be the, the number one quarterback. So, because he's got, he's got, no, he's got two more years. Two. Yeah, he's a true freshman. Okay. So he's going to get put up by that, that NIL, uh, yep. the national NIL showcase game is what this is. See, I think that it's will true. be I think that will be the bowl game where he throws for like 700 yards against Kansas or somebody like that. Ooh, that'd be great. Well, um it's possible. North, like North Carolina, Carolina cannot be trusted in a bowl game. Don't bet them at all. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um I lean North Carolina plus the points as well, but I really like the over in this game. North Carolina, uh Gene Chiggins has been got off has been let off the hook facing Virginia NC State and Georgia Tech. So he's feeling pretty good about himself. Even if Clemson is a wreck, they'll still find a way to score points. They have more natural talent than all those other teams. Clemson's defense is also no good either. Uh, Yes, they have a great D-line, but the back seven sucks. Their secondary got torched a lot this year. Wake Forest torched them. Rattler torched them. I think North Carolina scores in the 30s, and I think Clemson scores in the 30s or 40s against Chiggins. So uh, give me over 63 in this game. Big fan of that, actually. All right. I, I think you guys have convinced me. I think I want to change to an overpick because as I think about it, you're right. It's those elite-level quarterbacks have been the ones to hurt Clemson, whether it's Hartman or uh, yeah. Rattler. I just called yeah. Rattler elite. You know what I'm saying. No. no edit, it's- edit that out, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Okay, a couple more games to get to here. Just because we have to cover all the championships. Sun Belt, Fun Belt, Coastal Carolina at Troy. Coastal Carolina does not have Grayson McCall. They lost by 40 or something last week to James Madison. Now they're laying eight and a half. This game is in Troy. It's a home game for Troy. Pretty straightforward. I don't think you can bet Coastal Carolina lay the eight and a half with Troy at home. Any any objections? My favorite bet of the entire championship weekend is Troy. Yes, my yeah. also my favorite bet of this entire week. And I just want to give a shout out to Ryan for being on Troy bandwagon um, several, several weeks ago. Yeah. 
Troy going for their 11th win this year. Very impressive. Dan, I'll give you a shout Um, out too, because you were on the Kenny Dillingham bandwagon, like, I don't know, week five of this year or something. Like you were talking about him before I even knew who he was. It made sense. And same for Hugh Freeze. I got that one right as well. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's a good hire. I'm just saying I called the hire correctly. That's that. that I w- that's it. All right. I want to take a, I want to take a quick pause here to mention something <laughs> slightly off topic, but it is important, you know, with your predictions, Dan, you know, calling Dillingham, you're having this information before the mainstream media, you know, I'm hearing it from you first. And then, you know, I see a text from you this last week that you were gifted a robe from a Vegas <laughs> book. We've, I've been calling you the Vegas outsider on this show for 10 years, Dan. I'm officially, oh, here, okay, I got to narrate this. Dan has his, oh my goodness. This is a Caesar's robe. This thing is beautiful. This is hey, nice, stitching. nice white cotton, intricate it's stitching. It's oh. like a 20 pound robe. Yeah, it's like a weighted blanket of robes. It's got, yeah, this is like the one that JB Smooth wears in that commercial. It's the same one. <laughs> it really is the same one. Yeah, this is beautiful. You you look like a Roman god with that thing. Um, here's the I bad news, so though, hard Dan. Open that up. Here's the bad news. And I you hope are, that every you're... time you walk out of your room with that on, you have you play like the Rocky theme song because that looks like something a boxer would wear with the gold trim on it. And uh, I, I just hope that every time you wear it around the house, you just keep a phone in your pocket, just playing like Mike Tyson's walkout music. Living in America. Um, so congrats on that. Cause that is truly awesome. However, it does not come without a cost. Nothing's free in this world, Dan. I've been calling you the Vegas outsider for 10 years. I'm officially stripping you of your title. You I have know. become a Vegas insider. It's truly unbelievable. I don't know why Caesars likes me so much. Uh, they upgraded. <laughs> I have a guess. No, that's not true. I barely even gamble on Caesars. I, dra- I gamble on DraftKings. And FanDuel, a little bit on BetMGM. Like Caesars is like five percent of my action, but oh, so it's it's a like it's like come over to us type of gift. I don't know. It makes no sense. They 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 also upgraded my like player account. So now if I get a hotel room in Vegas, I don't have to pay those stupid resort fees anymore, which is actually a really good deal. Um, It's huge. They heard about it. I know it really is right and. I got a gift card for a hundred dollars towards a Caesar's property restaurant. And we have Harris Akchin here in Arizona, which counts. So get to go down there and have a free dinner. I, this all happened in the last two weeks. So I don't know if they got confused by some other Dan Partridge or they added some zeros to my account or I don't know, or just, I had a really good ROI on the year. Like, I don't, I don't know what the reason it is, but the robe made me laugh so hard. I think they just, like was, I think they just heard the word got out about you, and they're like, "We gotta get this guy on our squad. Get him out of, out of DraftKings. I know. Get him over here. I, There's a recruiting okay. war for you, Dan. I'm gonna take some money off of DraftKings and put it on uh, Caesars and bet Caesars this weekend. Give him a little little action. Well, right. thank you. Shout out to Caesars, unofficial yeah. sp- sponsor of the Take the Points podcast. Uh, uh, Awesome stuff. I'll, I'll take it. This and the, now like, back to Vegas insider Dan Partridge <laughs> with more lines. Thank you, Tom. AAC championship, UCF, Tulane. 
Gus Malzahn against the Green Wave. Willie Fritz is staying in town. John Lee or John, 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 John Joseph, whatever, Plumley at quarterback for UCF. Um, UCF's a strange team. Somehow they lost the Navy two weeks ago. And then last week, fucking 46-39 to South Florida. That makes no sense. Uh, they're playing this game in New Orleans at Tulane Stadium. Tulane minus three and a half, over under 56 and a half. Uh, UCF did beat Tulane in Tulane last month, 38-31. Does Tulane get revenge this week, Ryan, and can they cover the three and a half? Yes and yes. Team of Destiny gets to retain their coach. They get the little morale bump that they needed for this game. Uh, you know, being a home game is also extra beneficial for them. And yeah, I think that you go with the the three T parlay, Dan, of TCU, Tulane, and Troy. The three T okay. parlay is the way to go. Okay. All right. Uh, Z, thoughts? Well, it had to be three and a half, didn't it? Um, that makes me hate this bad UCF having um, just beat Tulane semi recently scares me a little bit. But again, team of destiny, always just going to pick the better team in this spot in the home team. Tulane, you know, they're playing for New Year's six place. You know, they're playing for that game against Penn State. So uh, I think they get it done. That's and right. of course, of course, we're going to fire an over in this game. Got to do that. Uh Thank you, Tom. Yeah, uh, over is correct. Uh, Tulane in their last three home games has scored 59, 31, and 38. They've given up 28, 38, and 24. They scored 27 at Cincinnati in cold, bad weather last week, which means that's like 45 playing at home in New Orleans. Um, UCF just gave up 39 to South Florida. They don't even have any players on their team. So, uh, yeah, this total is only in the 50s. Just bet the over. Have some fun with that. Who the hell knows who wins? Could be a fluke turnover or whoever has the ball last, but I like the over more than anything else. Can I say, I know they're not as good as they were last year, but that win over Cincy, that's a quality win right there. It is. Absolutely. Um, All right. Two games left. Mountain West title game. Fresno State at Boise State in Boise at Albertson Stadium. Kind of funny. Uh, Boise minus three. (laughs) <laughs> total 54 um Boise uh great turnaround this year they told ha- Hank Bachmeyer to pack all of his shit they went to his dorm room and just cleared it all out and said get out uh force transfer we've had enough of you and then the whole team was like celebrated that he was gone and then, then they just ran the table they just haven't lost they're uh, 8-0 in conference back to old Boise their coach just won Coach of the Year Mountain West. Looked like he was getting fired at the beginning of the year. He pulled a complete 180. Um, but they're playing Fresno, who lost some games in the middle of the year where they didn't have Jake Hayner, but he's back, and he's throwing touchdown passes all over the field again. So a little spooky. Um, problem, though, California team in Fresno go into Boise where it's going to be about 22 degrees and freezing-ass cold. Uh, we've seen this before. Teams don't do well playing in Boise in December. Um, 
I have no idea. I lean Boise. Probably won't bet it. Ryan, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think you're right on the, the, the side. I wouldn't take a side. What I would take here is an under. Um, like you said, the weather is going to be a situation. I think Fresno is actually the better team, but Boise's at home. So this kind of evens it out there. Um, you know, Fresno allows less than three touchdowns a game and Boise gives up under 18 a game. So you got one defense gives up 17.8, one defense gives up 20.8. To me, this spells under 54. I think this game's going to be probably like a 20 to 17 type game. There you go. Z. Well, this is way outside my jurisdiction, so I'm not going to make a pick. I'm just going to defer to you guys. But I am looking forward to our end-of-year awards, especially our Zach Mills Award for the quarterback who starts out hot and goes downhill. This was supposed to be the fiercest competition in the 10 years we've been doing the podcast with guys like Bo Nix, Spencer Rattler, DTR. Oh, wait, they all just magically decided to be good. But there is one guy that you mentioned who has really come through. And he was, we joke about guys who don't enter the portal. They're thrown into the portal. Bachmeyer. He's our, he's our leader in the clubhouse. We're not going to spoil minus, the award. But, minus 600 to take yeah, home the award. Yeah, Spen- Spencer Sanders is plus 350 though. Oh, Spen- Ooh, Spencer Sanders. I forgot about him. Does he have you another can't year? Hide, you can't hide from us in the portal, Hank. <laughs> <laughs> is Hank going to get a job, uh, a starting job somewhere? Is he going to be like UC Davis? Hank's going down. He's going down to FCS Montana. Who's in like the, uh, like the final four <laughs> of the, they're the good. They're like in the final four of the FCS playoffs. That's where he's going to go. If they're QB, like one of those teams, if their QB leaves, he'll go there. Pacific. He's going to Pacific Pacific mm. university. That. That's my call. Put that on record. Okay. One more game. And I did this on purpose just, just so you could be anxious the whole episode, Tom. Big oh, 10 ready. title game. <laughs> I know you are. Purdue at Michigan. Big game. Purdue making the Big 10 title game despite four losses. They gave up. They lost 24-3 to to Iowa. They lost 35-24 to Wisconsin. Bounce back with a big 17-9 win over Nebraska. That is fucking terrible. Playing against Michigan, who just manhandled Oklahoma. I'm only calling Ohio State Oklahoma from now on. Um, and We'll talk about that in a second, too. You know, this is a letdown spot. Um, can Purdue cover, win, over, under, uh, Go ahead, Tom. It's 17 and a half total, 52. The most dangerous team in America are the Purdue Boilermakers, only if you're ranked in the top five. If you're ranked anywhere from six to unranked, Purdue sucks. But we know what they do to rank teams. Last year, they beat the number two team in the country and the number three team in the country in that season. We know they've beaten Ohio State one year. They crushed Ohio State when they were ranked second. So this is very, very dangerous. Aiden O'Connell has been great. Produced four losses, by the way, all to bowl-eligible teams, So including that loss to Syracuse. So um, 
it's not like they, yeah, like their, their losses are what you would call quality losses. So they're a good team. I know the big 10 West was a complete clusterfuck, but they're not a pushover. Um, unfortunately they are running into a team that's just, uh, steamrolled their opponent and probably has the most confidence of any team in college football. So I think you're going to get a tight first half that surprises some people. And then I think Michigan's going to do what they do, which is just to physically overpower this team and just wear them down. And I think you'll see much like they did against Ohio state or Penn state, et cetera. I think you'll see Michigan state, uh, Michigan really pull away in the second half. So I think Michigan covers the game. I think it goes over mostly on Michigan scoring like 42 points on their own. And I think, uh, Michigan's going into the playoff, Danny, and you're not going to like this, but I think they got as good a shot as anyone to win it all. That's uh, garbage. Ryan. <laughs> oh boy. My lot. I can't pass on its big 10 title game. Can I? All right. I won't <laughs> yes, pass. you can. You can. All right. Here's my play. Uh, my play is Purdue and the under. Um, I'm going to take the points. I don't think Purdue has a chance to actually win this game, but that's a lot of points. Um, teams that score 40 points one week, it's just it's really, really, really rare that they score 40 back-to-back weeks. It just doesn't happen that often. There's always a letdown, especially after that game, Ohio State. This is just I know it's a Big Ten title game, but it feels like the biggest letdown spot of all time. They know a loss still locks them in. Like I, I just, I think they're going to kind of sleepwalk a little bit. I think Purdue's going to junk the, this game up bad, and uh, I just think this is an under for me. But I think Michigan's going to take care of business. They're going to win fine, but I think Purdue maybe could backdoor something. So I'm going to take Purdue and the points and under. I would agree with you if it's like Ohio state in this spot, but because of the way Michigan plays and the way they beat people, I think it's just, they match up really well against this weaker Purdue, Michigan, number one offensive line in the whole country, two excellent running backs, a quarterback who can scramble and, you know, become another runner and their defense, you know, by some measures is actually better than the one last year with Hutchinson and uh, Ojabu. So I think they're good, legitimately good. And I think they just overpower Purdue. I have one pick in this game. I'm taking Purdue plus 10 first half. I think Michigan jacks around in the first half, and then they pull classic Michigan and outscore Purdue 28-3 to in the second half and win like 45-17 to or something like that. Um, plus, I want to root against Michigan. So I'm just hoping Purdue can keep it close for a half and then, you know, Fuck it up after that, after I turn the game off. That's my pick. Yeah, that's exactly how I see it playing out as well. All right. Now, you would think that we're done, but we're not done. We have one more game to talk about because next week we're off. Navy, Army. Let's get that pick out of the way now. Army minus a point and a half, total 34. Tom, go right ahead. Are are they joining the Big Ten West with that (laughs) over-under? It's too high. Too high. It's a little high. Uh, Army, Navy, uh, who the hell knows? um, 
I know Army beat UConn, and UConn's better than Navy, so I'm going to go Army. Okay. Ryan. Under 34, and I'm laying it with ease. I might even alt-line this down to 29 and a half. This is in, in West Point, correct? Yes. Yeah, so you'll have some weather complications most likely by that point. That's correct, Tom. Once again, lowest alt-under you can find. Circle it, bet it, book it. No one scored more than 17 in this game. We have a 12-minute drive with no points. Mark that down. Where they they get stuffed. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to get stuffed on the opponent's seven-yard line. Um, Yeah, no. Under. This game comes in under every year. I don't think anyone scores at all. So, under, under. Under, under, under. So Man, that wraps up. Please talk right. Please talk to your new friends at Caesars and get that. Get a prop bet for that. Eight-minute plus drive that results in zero points. <laughs> Minus 120. Eight-minute drive, the results of no points, and a punt. <laughs> plus oh 375. The, the, I was going to say, the drive only went... The drive only went 38 yards, but it took eight minutes. <laughs> yes. I would also like a prop for a highly likely for a quarterback punt in this game. Oh, I love it. Okay. Let me see who I can talk to. Let me see if I can talk to JB smooth. See if he can get it happening for <laughs> Good. me. All right. Well, that concludes this week's lines. Um, next week, there will be no show due to army Navy. And then we'll be back with bowl spectacular part one. Um. All right. Well, I've done my cho- my job. Uh, Tom, anything you want to talk about? First is your comment that Ohio State is the new Oklahoma. I think it's obvious to us, but maybe you could just quickly explain what you mean. And I would like to know why they're the new Oklahoma as opposed to USC, who also appears to be a new Oklahoma. Uh, that, that, that's a valid point. Um, Oklahoma, a lot of offense. A lot of offense, but as soon as they play a physical team, they get manhandled. Um, now, you could say that against USC, but USC hasn't choked the game away yet. They only lost one game by one point. When Oklahoma loses, it's usually by like 28. They, they don't lose close games. So that kind of felt very Oklahoma-ish last week. Um, if Utah beats USC in the championship game by 17 and Caleb Williams wins the Heisman, they're the new Oklahoma for sure. Um, but right now, Ohio State, I mean, it was the same shit as last year. I mean, the second half was so bad. Just Michigan, you just knew, like, once the wheels came up, like, once it was 24-20 Michigan, I knew the game was over. I knew Ohio State had no chance to win that game. And sure enough, blowout bill. And then, of course, Ryan Day's like, oh, well. No, no, no. We weren't out mismatched. There were just a couple weird things happened. and Yeah, no, no. Everything's fine. We're definitely top 14. Don't worry about it. Next question. <laughs> Continue. Brian Robinson of the Washington Commanders had uh, one of the funniest headgear I've ever seen. I'm sure you guys have seen it. The giant, giant hat. And he had a great quote that went with it. He's like, yeah, I sell giant hats. If you want one, hit me up, which is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But my question for you guys, if you were to purchase a giant hat, what, 
what would you get on the giant hat? Would it be a team, something else? What would you, what would it be on your giant hat? Mm. Mm. Would you go for some kind of comic effect or would you just wear a giant hat as though it were normal? Would you be like nonchalant about it? Like Brian Robinson? Nonchalant. And I think it would just be like a regular company, like a, adidas hat just like an adidas logo but just ginormous hat or like a nike swoosh like no words just massive hat or like kind of like the hat that uh in on snl's celebrity jeopardy uh that norm played as burt reynolds when he's wearing that hat Mm -hmm. that basically is what i'm going for ryan what kind of giant hat would you wear I think I would have to go, I would have to go very ironic. I would do, uh, I, I would go like an old school, like Looney Tunes type of logo. It's good. I, I would go very, very ironic with it. So, or that, or make it look like it's Elmer Fudd's hat. That's the other, the other cartoon option is, you know, cause Elmer Fudd had the big giant hat. So. I don't know. That that would be my other option. Good call. I like the idea of playing it straight and just being like, what? This is just my hat. There's nothing wrong with it. I also think a, uh, to throw it back to last week's episode, a starter brand giant hat. If starter is going to get back in the game, maybe giant hats is the way to get in. You know, they have the giant coats. Maybe I like they that. Make, make a comeback with giant starter hats. All right. Uh, everybody enjoy the uh championship games this should be a good one we're poised to have the most interesting playoff we've had since the first one i think with some new teams some fresh blood so i'm really looking forward to it and as dan said we'll be back in two weeks with the first of our playoff series so thanks for listening good night